Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Cool new companies and cool new inventions, they don't come from your day job. They come from your hobby, what you do after or before your day job. So I encourage my employees and my friends and everyone, if you have a passion and you want to do something, just try it out. As a loyal Best Ever listener, you know that it's important that we as entrepreneurs focus on managing our time effectively, which is why we're always looking for ways to automate the basic duties of our business so that we can focus more time on our money-making activities. That's why I want to introduce you to Rentler.com. At Rentler, landlords and property managers can perform all their duties in one place. Rentler offers tools that allow you to automate tasks like listing a unit for rent, finding and screening tenants, collecting rent, and managing the maintenance requests. And even better, these tools are offered at zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever to get started today. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Nathan Miller, how you doing, Nathan? Doing good. Thanks, Joe. Well, I'm glad to have you on the show again. A little bit about Nathan. Well, he is a returning guest. He gave his best ever advice, episode 1164, titled Software Engineer and Investor Builds Amazing Tenant Screening Software. Today, we are going to be talking about how to build a business with no startup funding and compete against those who do. And because today is Sunday, we're going to focus this on the particular skill sets of starting something with little to no funding and competing against others. And certainly there are parallels that we can draw from with real estate investing, with starting a fix and flip company or wholesale company and competing against others who have larger budgets. So we're going to learn how Nathan was able to do it. And then we'll see what we can apply from his experience to our experiences as we're competing with some of the more capitalized competitors. With that being said, Nathan, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background, just a refresher before we dive into it? Of course. My background for the past 20-ish years, I've been a software developer, and that's kind of my passion. I love writing things and creating things, and I call it my little mini electronic inventions. And fortunately, as I've made enough inventions, some of them worked out, some of them haven't. But I also have some real estate investments that I've done. So I've got some experience there, which is what brought me in my latest 
hobby slash company, Rentech Direct, which is writing software to help me manage those rentals. So this company has kept me very busy and having a good time running it for, uh, we're, we're coming up on 10 years in business now. Well, congratulations on that. With the 10 years on business, because you started in 2009, so you're coming on a decade of having the company. It's grown organically 100% and is also debt-free. So when I say organically 100% that's in your bio, you've never spent $1 on any form of advertising? No, we do spend money on advertising. What I mean organically is that we've grown our business from people like to refer to as a bootstrap business. We got no outside investment and in fact, no inside investment, no investment whatsoever. We started just like an organic plant starts. It starts at nothing and it grows and blooms into something on its own merits versus requiring outside fertilizer or funding as the case most businesses are. Okay. So then the question becomes, how much funding did you put into the business originally? It's all sweat equity. Aside from probably the $150 to register as a business and a few hundred dollars to set up the original LLC paperwork, there was no personal investment that I had to bring into the company. Wow. That's great. There's probably a couple hundred dollars in used servers that I've, (laughs) but for the most part, I mean, probably less than $2,500 of my own money went into the company to get everything off the ground before the company started paying for itself. That's incredible. And now what is your annual revenue? We're going to be topping $3 million this year. Congratulations. Bravo. I'm clapping right now, but I'm not doing it too loud because I don't want to be annoying in the microphone. Okay. So from 150 bucks to $3 million in revenue, there are clearly lessons that we can learn for how to grow a company with pocket change, relatively speaking. 150 bucks is a lot of money, but relatively speaking, it's small to create a big company. How should we approach our conversation so that we can learn as much as we can for how to replicate something similar in the real estate field? Well, I think uh, I've kind of thought through my process in creating Rentech Direct, and it's a software company, a little bit different from a real estate company, but I've looked through what has created the success and how I was able to start it from nothing and how that can apply to almost any industry in the world, including real estate. So I'll just start with maybe a little more background that I forgot to mention earlier is Our competitors, just to give you an idea of like who we compete against and kind of what kind of pressure we have, there's about 10 other software companies that do very similar things and work in the same market as us. Just like real estate investors are going to have other investors bidding for the same properties and such. Of those 10, there's two that really we run across all the time. Who are they? The two we hear the most of, a company down in Santa Barbara called Atfolio, and then one based in Boston called Buildium. Yep. Okay. Got it. Yeah. There's a few others out there, but I would say nine times out of 10, if someone's comparing our product to another product, it's going to be one of those two. Okay. And both of those companies started out with approximately, I think Appfolio was about 75 million in investments. <laughs> and, uh, and then Buildium's 85 million in investments. <laughs> um, now, here's the fun thing. Here's what I love explaining. Okay. We started with $0 in investments. Now, last I saw on their published numbers, Appfolio had about 10,000 clients. Buildium has about 14,000 clients. They just said about two weeks ago. So we have 13,700 clients right now. (laughs) It's like, how are we doing this? How are we competing so head to head with these companies that have $100 million of investment? So back to your question, how do we do this? (laughs) That's fascinating. Thank you for talking through that. That's really fascinating. Well, I love it. 
it's mind-boggling to me that this little company in Oregon is competing so well with these behemoths in big cities. So I'll have to go back 10 years here to explain, you know, where where it came from and how I pulled it off. But I'll start out with when I started Rentech, I was working a full-time job. I was working as a systems administrator and a software developer for an internet service. And that job provided me my support to support me and my family. And I think anyone who's going out to start something new, you have to have a support system that is paying the bills before you devote your full attention to it. And in my case, having a full-time job and then starting this new project, it was a 4 to 8 a.m. thing. I'd wake up early, make coffee early, and just hit the computer and start programming. 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. thing? 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. Okay, got it. Get ready for an hour and go to my real job at 9 a.m. So I tell people this a lot, is that cool new companies and cool new inventions, they don't come from your day job. They come from your hobby, what you do after, or in my case, before your day job. So I encourage my employees and my friends and everyone, if you have a passion and you want to do something, just try it out. Go after work, spend an hour a day doing it and see what happens. So anyways, if you're going to start something new, definitely have a support system to pay the bills. The second thing that I think is really necessary is you don't just have to have a skill. Like I was a developer. I think that helps having a skill, but you, first off, you have to love that skill. And then you have to have a vision to use that skill for. And in my case, my skills development, and I do love developing, but my vision is like I drive to and from work, but we're always going on trips and I go up and down I-5 and I see these thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of cars on the road. And I see people going north and people going south. And there's companies that are sending people north to sell people in Seattle. And there's companies in Seattle that are sending people south to sell in San Francisco. And I think about the inefficiencies in that. Why don't those San Francisco salespeople just sell to San Francisco and vice versa? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm seeing this every day. And what I see it in my mind is I just see that mankind is pretty inefficient. That's one very small example. But mm-hmm. I try to think, how can I help? What can I do to make things a little more efficient? And I feel like I'm not quite as cool as like Elon Musk, who's building rockets and shooting them into space (laughs) and electric cars. And I think that's awesome. But what I can do is I can write software to save people time. Hey, don't sell yourself short. That's incredibly cool. Well, what I love about it, and now I look back on it and it gives me chills when I think about it now because we have almost 14,000 people that every single day log in and use our software and I'm saving them an hour or two a day and add that up and it's like success. I love it. When I started, it was one or two people, so it wasn't quite as meaningful back then, but I had the vision that I want to make that happen. So it's not your skill or my skill that drove me. It was that vision that drove me to keep doing that. Let's keep on with this hobby and keep it going. And at the time, I didn't expect it to be a company. I just expected it to be something that was going to help people. And I never thought I was going to make any money or anything. But it turned out to be a success and people ended up wanting more and it ended up turning into a company. So yeah, having the vision and a passion to accomplishment, I think is cool and necessary. The third of my 420 point bullet point here. Well, okay. So you said third. So I heard, I heard one vision and two find efficiencies. Did I get those first two correct? I think have a way to support yourself. So you're not stressed about cash while you're creating your venture and then have the skill and vision to do it. Okay. Got it. Once you've started something, I think the next most important thing, as soon as you can pay for it, and whether you're using your own funding, 
your savings or your company is starting to make some profits is you want to hire and delegate as soon as possible. You want to look at the things first that you can't do. Like mine, for example, I can't do customer service. If someone calls and yells at me, it's over. I'm done. I lost that customer because I just can't handle that. (laughs) (laughs) So the first thing I had to do, hire someone that can gingerly handle someone who's upset. And then second is delegate everything that's taking your time. If you're creating a company, you need to have free time every single day to grow that company. If you get buried in the paperwork or buried talking on the phone, your company's not going to grow. You'll get stalled immediately. So as soon as you can, get that off your plate. And of course, it goes without saying, hire good people, trustworthy people. But I think everyone knows that line. The next thing I think that really helped our success And I was talking about those numbers with our competitors earlier. And I think one of the reasons we're so successful compared to them is we don't have 300 employees doing small menial tasks. Our competitors and most companies in the world, they've got an accounting team and they've got an HR team and it ends up add these groups together. And I know our competitors, they have about 300 employees each. And they're doing the same thing as us, but we're doing it so much more efficient. And the reason I believe that's happening is the heart of our company is automation. From accounts receivable to payroll, billing, collections, everything is automated. And even if it costs us a little bit to automate it, I do it. An example of that is some people nowadays charge to automatically bill your credit card. 3% is a pretty common fee these days if they also accept checks. Well, I don't like writing checks because it's a piece of paper, it's time, whether it's my time or someone else's time. It takes probably five to 10 minutes to pay a bill, mail it, and send off the invoice with the check to the vendor. So I'll set all those up on credit card. If I have to, I'll pay the 3%. Mm, okay. Interesting. Bonus there is you get the miles <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you get to go on cool trips. Yeah. <laughs> so I think next on my list is avoiding distractions. And what I mean by that is, as especially as your company grows, no matter what kind of company this is, you're going to get distracted. It's going to be in the form of spam in your mailbox. It's going to be people showing up to your business wanting to sell you this or that. It's going to be these amazing pitches from other companies or other people that want you to pivot your software in a little bit different direction. And I think one of the important things to do is remain laser focused. Um, Going back to the second thing I talked about, your vision, is remain laser focused on your vision, not someone else's vision and not this company who wants to give you money so you tailor your software for them and not for maybe a single customer. Let me give you an example. A real life example here is We cater really well to property managers that have 200 to 1,500, maybe 2,000 units. But all the time, we get calls from property managers that have four or 5,000 units, and they'll have specific requirements. They'll they'll be like, your software needs to do this because we've always done accounting or payroll or something this specific way. So if we're going to switch to you, we need you to make your software do that. Mm-hmm. And um, the power of saying no is the power of success in cases like this. Really? Like as, as much as we'd love to bring in a client that large, that would divert our focus from all of our existing clients and our target market. Can I ask a follow-up question? Yeah, you bet. Your target audience is 200 to how many? 1,500? Did I write that down? 
Yeah, 200 to 1,500 units. Okay, and in your example where someone wants to come in, add some different functionality, was 15,000? I think I said 4,000-ish. 4,000. All right, four, okay. What if it was 15,000? What do you do then? 15,000 unit customer we know is not our target market, and we'll escort them right over to Yardy or something like that. There's no sense in us wasting our time and their time because we know down the road there's going to be something we don't have that they need. We'll just escort them gently and say, hey, we just know we're not going to be able to handle you as a client. So we're going to do you a favor and give you a referral to someone that can work with you better. I think we've identified how you've been able to stay laser focused because I'm going to go out on a limb and say more people than not, if they had a portfolio of 13,700 customers logging in and a new customer that could double their portfolio ask for some things, you're not even thinking twice about it. You're just saying you're going to escort them to someone else versus wanting to double your company. So can you elaborate a little bit more about that? Because let me just say one more thing and then please take it is you could implement some things to add on to what you've got going on and then you could support this new customer double your size it probably wouldn't double the amount of employees because of how efficient you are so please i'd love to hear your thought process okay sure but let me clarify a couple numbers real quick we currently work with 13,700 property managers each of which may have a few hundred to a couple thousand properties they manage. Oh, got it. All in all, we would need someone to come to us that had 400,000 properties to double us as a company, which there's no proper software right now. So I know that's not going to happen. But to your point, if someone did come in and said, hey, I've got 15,000 properties, and regardless, it's not going to double our company, but if it boosted us 2 or 3%, that's huge for one customer to come in and boost our overall size that much. I'll have our sales department, you know, they'll just be begging me like, please, 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 let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah, they are. Like, I mean, they, <laughs> commission, they baby. Totally. <laughs> they want that. They- yeah, I would say commission check, but you probably pay them on credit card with 3%. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> um, so it's a compelling idea. And I've worked in companies in the past who will drop everything and do that. And I think I've seen what happens when a company does that. They drop everything. They stop developing their features for their other 13,000 clients in order to focus on this one client. And you end up alienating the people that really have supported you and been your customers for a long time and the market that you want. Another aspect of that and in our industry is working with mom and pop property managers that have just a few employees and they manage a few hundred units. I love those people. They are so fun to talk to. They're passionate about their business because they're doing it themselves and they love what they're doing. In contrast, if you step down to San Francisco and you walk into a big apartment management complex that manages 10,000 apartments, no one there likes their job. And if you call them and talk to them, they're just not happy. And they want things, they want them now, they're very demanding. It's just a very different market when you're dealing with these small companies versus the giant companies. Any other things that you have implemented along the way to help compete with significantly more funded companies? 
Yeah, I'll tell you probably the biggest thing I look back and I see, why do people choose us over someone that does 10 times as much advertising as us? And I think the answer is to compete on service. We don't have the advertising budget that Fully or Buildium has. They're putting out tens of thousands of dollars weekly. It's just not practical. So we compete on service. And if you go online, there's a company called Software Advice. They do independent reviews. And it's where a lot of people find out independent reviews about property management software. And you look at ours compared to theirs, and you can just see that it's nearly impossible for big companies who hire hundreds of customer service agents to maintain a level of quality. and As a small, agile company that has a small group of very well-trained customer service people, we get amazing reviews, glowing reviews. And I think that's somewhere where a small company competing against a behemoth can always shine. And there's always a section of clients out there that value customer service over everything else. Mm -hmm. What are some ways that you're able to go above and beyond what is typical? I mean, I think we're able to train better. We also have longer retention. So we have a total of 12 employees. And of those 12 employees, we've only had one person ever leave. It was because they were moving. They moved. How long have they been employed on average? Oh, on average, about five years. Wow. That's excellent. Yeah. Our first employees are still here. They're all local? Yeah. Everybody's here in Grants Pass. Okay. Which is another competitive advantage, I think. If You're not going to run across it in the real estate market, but in the software market, most software companies have outsourced their support to the Philippines or Indonesia or somewhere. Whereas everyone, when they call us, they're guaranteed to get someone right in our office here in Grants Pass. Mm-hmm. As far as the training better, do you do anything in particular there? Well, I think anyone who comes in new gets trained from our senior staff who have been using the software for up to 10 years. And I don't know if this is going to be any different from any other company, but I do know that we spend weeks getting someone up to speed and testing them and then pairing them up with someone who is senior to them, who in general is going to know the software very, very well. Another thing we're able to do in a smaller, leaner organization like this is we're hiring for customer service for software. However, what we usually draw from is from people who have been in the property management industry. So they don't just know how to support our software. They know how to run a property management company, which I think helps a lot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Help me understand one thing, because you said find efficiencies. You have to be efficient as possible, and that has to do with automation, but yet you don't automate customer service, which I imagine takes up a large amount of your employee hours. I think so. And there's maybe a conflict in goals there a little bit. But one of the things that I feel we have to do is always be, we need to be the best at servicing our clients in the industry. And you can't do that by outsourcing it or fully automating it. We do some stuff. There's a knowledge base. We have online chat, which will give automatic answers, stuff like that, which saves us a little bit. But for the most time, our clients enjoy calling us. We have just a handful of uh, customer service reps. So when they call, they're talking to someone they've probably talked to in the past a few times already. So there's a bit of a relationship there. So we have identified a lot of things and I'll summarize them in a second. Any other tactical tips before we wrap up, especially thinking about it from a real estate or really entrepreneur standpoint, 
who is building a company. Anything else you want to mention before we wrap up? I think just a benefit of starting your own company without funding is you get to make your own decisions. You don't have investors saying, no, you have to do it this way, or we demand this much profit, or you should be investing on this instead of this. You don't have any of that. You get to make your own decisions, which is if you enjoy sleeping well at night, I think it's a very <laughs> aspect. <laughs> <laughs> well, some might say if you get $75 million in funding, like one of your competitors, you're no longer worried about if you can have dinner tomorrow night because you know that your company's funded and I think they get salaries. I don't know. I haven't been a part of something like that, but they probably get a salary, right? Oh, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. So then you can probably sleep better at night, but it's not all your company too. So I guess it just depends on how you look at it. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? Best way to find me is up on our website, which is www.rentechdirect.com. It's R-E-N-T-E-C direct.com. You can click on the About Us and you can find a picture of my ugly mug up there. And I'm also on Twitter, twitter.com slash hightechlandlord, H-I-T-E-C-H landlord. And you said everyone who does have a customer service question should tweet you so that you will follow up with them because that's your favorite thing to do. I love customer service. It's the best thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) lessons learned that we can apply as real estate investors to compete with other companies that are more established or better funded. One is have a vision for a company. Two is find a way to have a support system, which is in your case, you were employed. There's two sides of the argument there because if you're pushing a corner, then you're forced to do some things and you go above and beyond what you likely would have done if you weren't in the corner. But on the flip side, it can be really stressful. So figure out whatever's right for you on that one. Three is find efficiencies so you can be as efficient as possible. You talked about how you pay via credit card so you can automate it even though you have to pay a 3% fee. I actually wrote down in my notes in my little notebook to-do list what can I automate in my business? And one of them is check writing. I need to get rid of that. So selfishly, thank you for that tip. Another is avoiding distractions. You talked about your thought process for why you would turn down a customer that potentially could give you all a significant increase in business if it isn't the right fit for you, if it would sacrifice for your base. And that reminds me of when I was reading Tools of Titans, Tim Ferriss interviewed someone and they talk about your 1,000 fans, 1,000 true fans. Have 1,000 true fans who are loyal and you add a lot of value and they love what you provide. That's all you need. It's being selectively famous within that group versus generally famous, which has much more liability than it does positives. And then lastly... Find what you want to compete on. Find what you want to hang your hat on. What's your unique selling point? In your case, it's customer service. And go all in on that. And then have a local team too. I I believe in that. I believe having a local team helps for many direct and indirect ways. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. You looking for a one-stop landlording software that helps you create listings, find and screen tenants, and accept rental payments while managing maintenance requests? Oh, by the way, it's zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever. 
See a rundown or abandoned house? Well, snap a picture with the Deal Machine app to instantly find the owner and get in touch via direct mail, email, and phone in just 10 seconds. Search Deal Machine in your app store or visit dealmachineapp.com. 